0: Good morning, Church on the Rock. Good morning, Rashad. Hey, I know we do that. Well, those of you who do know, we do that because we're here to make sure that you are energized and ready from a message, for a message from God. Um, we don't do it because there's anything about me. I just like to know that there's energy in the room. So for those of you who are new or this is your first time, um, I just want to make sure you're ready for the Word of God. So I'm going to do it one more time. My name is Rashad. I always say, not rash it not radish stuff like that um, but I want to know that you're in the room so let's try that one more time good
1: morning church on the rock good morning,
0: church! amen um, so we're going to be in this series continued that Nick started last week called who two four six eight who do you appreciate <laughs> terrible sermon series title right like but that's what we do here we're going to be in Acts 20 and I want to give you some context really quick I wrote this sermon, or put this sermon, or God placed this sermon on my heart literally um, four o'clock this morning. So last night we were DJing, and I say we, me and, where's my, where's my roadie? There he is back there. Clinton was out there with me. Um, We had to DJ out in Noblesville, Indiana. It went amazing, and there were some things I wanted to talk about today that I didn't know how to present, how to preach, how to teach, how to talk through. And I've been getting all this counsel from Jonathan Woodry, many of you know him, Brian Marlar, another pastor, they kept pointing me to X twenty. I was like, no, 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 not X 20, not X 20. And while we were doing the dinner part of the DJing, Clinton's like, so what you just gonna be up at four o'clock in the morning working on a sermon? And I was like, no. So I started like working through it while we were doing dinner, but you know, I gotta be the hype guy too. So I was like wrestling with that. But um, I saw something in this passage that grabbed me because I remembered it from a while back. And so then we went home, we got home at like one. I told Brittany, go to bed, because I'm gonna be up all night. And uh, it wasn't until four o'clock that God gave me this. So give me grace is what I'm asking for. Give me grace in, in the presentation of how I'm trying to do this. I don't know what I'm doing right now, seriously. So with that being said though, I wanna give you context to how we get to Acts 20. So there's this apostle, his name is Paul. Paul is like this church planning, everything, and you always hear about him as an apostle, but in Acts 20, you get to hear about him as a pastor. In chapter 19, he goes to this church called, well, called, it wasn't called nothing, he goes to this place called Ephesus, and there's these disciples who are gathered who have been baptized in this other baptism, and he reaches out to them and he he grabs them and a church is started, right? A church is started. And so he loves on that church. And he gets kicked out the synagogue because he's preaching the gospel. So they find this house like that's next to the synagogue and they set up shop there. And like ministry's going well. And then like the persecution comes. So he's kind of forced to leave out. But he's there for like two and a half to like three years just doing the work of the ministry. And so before he goes to his next destination, we come to Acts 20 and... Let's just go ahead and get to the first uh, part there. Let's get to the first part. Uh, what happens is we come to Acts 20 and it says, And from my lead is he, Paul, sent to Ephesus and called to him the elders of the church. Right? And it says, And when they asked, when they had come to him, he said to them, You yourselves know from the first day that I set foot in Asia how I was with you the whole time, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials, which came upon me through the plots of the Jews. Stay right there. Stay right there. So he looks at the church. He's called these elders to come meet with him, and he says, hey, you know, you, you know that I was with you the whole time that I was in Ephesus. I was serving the Lord. So I was with you, but I was with you because I was serving the Lord, right? And how was he serving the Lord? With all humility with tears and with the trials that came because of the persecution. Um, We do this thing called Pastor Appreciation Month and we're like, man, we appreciate our pastors, but in America we tend to like put these pastors on these pedestals of being our everything, right? Like, let's just be honest. People come to church because they want to hear or see or the pastor that they like, that's what they do. We teach them not to do that, but this is what happens. We say, hey, it's not about the pastor. And we even, we do things to change that. We say, hey, I'm, I'm going to take weeks off and preach. I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. But it doesn't matter. They won't come the weeks that the pastor's not preaching that they want to preach. They'll be like, well, I'm just not going to go because I just want to hear my pastor. And then you've seen these songs like what Todd was singing today about build my life and it's all about your kingdom and your glory and your this, but we still put this pastor on a pedestal about his glory and his kingdom and even his church. Paul says, I was with you in Ephesus because I was serving the Lord. Like, the Bible says that pastors are gifts to the church that are given to the church by the Lord. And so why do we appreciate the pastors and not first appreciate Jesus, who gives the gift of a pastor to a church, right? My first question here though is, he was with them because he was serving the Lord his obligation to the gathering was because he was serving the Lord. Tears, humility, all these things was because he was obligated from serving the Lord. As you do this Pastor Appreciate, Appreciation one thing, I, I gotta ask you, what is, what is your obligation to each other? Like I, I see people obligated to pastors but I rarely see people obligated to each other. What is your obligation to this gathering? Because it's not just a pastoral thing. It's a Christian thing. It's a body thing. Where's your obligation in all of this to one another? Serving the Lord, so you're here to serve the Lord. Some of us, and I'm talking to believers right now, I know there's non-believers among us, but Ekklesia, I'm, I'm, I'm literally teaching and equipping the church right now. Church members, how are you doing in your obligation to the gathering of this church, to the serving the Lord? Here, with humility, with tears, with trials. Do you come here and do you just sit on Sunday mornings and just get what you want and then go back out? Or do you actually feel an obligation to each other? The way Paul says, I was serving the Lord, so I was with you from the day I set foot in Asia." The beauty is, go back to the, uh, verse 18, I believe. Go back to verse 18, Leah. I want you to see this. Look how he says this, you yourselves know. Can people say that about you here? Like I pray, I'm not sure, maybe you can correct me, but I pray that anybody who's been here for a significant amount of time can say, I can look at you and say, you yourself know how I've served you here, right? You yourself know how I've loved you through the ups, through the downs, the, the high, you know, the highlands and the heartbreaks, as they say in that song. But if you were to look to somebody across the room, perhaps, that you're not sitting next to, could you look at them and say, you yourself know how I've served here, how I've been with you, how I've been obligated to this gathering. And this is important because people... They don't, they don't take advantage of this. They don't take advantage of what we have. It becomes this Sunday thing, and we talk about this often, and we've been trying to push out of the Sunday method and say, you belong to each other. Not to a day, not to a building, but to each other. This is biblical. You, you literally belong to each other. And so you have an obligation to this gathering. Not just the pastor, each Individual person at this church who calls themselves a member has an obligation to one another. This is what we teach. Do you know what the obligation is? It's a, it's a, it's like restraints put on you, right? Like, like it's like grabbing you and like it pulls you. I'm sorry, that was really aggressive. You
1: can,
0: you can. All right. <laughs> 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 He's trying to man up too. Like you ain't picking me up. <laughs> that's what it does though like do you feel that here do you do you feel the grabbing of pulling you to one another here because that's what an obligation to a gathering is those tears are produced because of that obligation. That humility is produced because of that obligation. Willing to deal with those trials is produced because of that obligation. Paul says, I had an obligation to this gathering and you know I did because you saw me. You saw what I went through. Paul, Paul was like, they wanted to kill him because his teaching led to business, local businesses that were selling idols. It led to their stuff going down because he's preaching his gospel. They're like, we don't need those idols. So they wanted to take him out. And others suffered as a result as well. And he's like, you saw this. You watched the trials I went through. You've seen the tears we've cried together and you saw my humility because I was obligated to you. You know this. He goes on. uh, Give me verse uh, 21, I believe. Is that where we're at? He goes on and he says this. He says, he was solemnly tested. Ah, go 20. It was 20. I'm sorry. He says, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable. Now, the scripture says in 2 Timothy 3, right, all scripture is profitable, right? All scripture is profitable. What, we, what you need to understand is spiritually we all have deficits, which means there's a lack, right? And so preachers, what, what, what I pray they do and what I pray Christians do is I want to spend time with you to find where you are spiritually lacking so that I can give you a word of God that is profitable, that puts profit to where you have deficit, right? I want to pour in profit to where there's deficits. He says, I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable. Any, shrink means When we talked about the hard stuff, I didn't back off because I wanted to keep you happy. I mean, I don't know if y'all been in church on a rock, but we don't make people happy here. Right? Like, people walk out all the time like, man, how could he say that knowing that there's people here who don't believe? Because I ain't shrinking. Like, to shrink back is to say, I need your money. So, we ain't going to talk about that because it might take your money. Or... I need to be able to take a picture where these seats look full and put it on Facebook so I ain't going to say nothing that's going to make these seats not fill up. That's shrinking back, and a lot of pastors do that. But if y'all been to church on a rock, we don't do that. We tell the hard stuff. We tell the good stuff. Probably not enough, but we definitely talk about the hard stuff. Amen. Never shrinking back because the hard stuff is profitable. It's never to hurt you, it's only to heal you. It's only to put something in to where you're lacking. He says, I didn't shrink back from declaring to you anything that was profitable. I was teaching you publicly. So that's like this right here. This is public teaching, right? It's on Facebook and and, and anywhere else, right? But then look at this, and from house to house. And if you look at the context, they didn't have this. The teaching happened in what we would call like five non-families. The teaching happened what we would call like meeting at best friends or meeting at these coffee shops or when I come to your house and I'm doing your counseling when some of y'all have been in your homes till like 1 a.m. working through stuff, right? This is what Paul was doing. He says also, keep going with the next verse, he says, not only was he teaching house to house, not only was he never shrinking back, but he was testifying to both Jews and Greeks, meaning... Don't care where you stand on any end of the spectrum. I'm teaching all. And you guys know how I'm about that. I don't care. You're Republican, Democrat, black, white. You're pro this or pro that or whatever. But Paul taught to everybody about the repentance towards God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. So even that was the serving of the Lord. And it was because he had an obligation to the growing. So as a pastor... Because we don't get to see Pastor Paul a lot. We get to see the Apostle Paul. As a pastor, he was obligated to the gathering, but he was obligated to the growing. I'm just not worried about you gathering and being here and we're just good together. I want to make sure you're growing because I'm serving the Lord first. I love you, but I'm serving the Lord. An obligation to the gathering and to the growing. He goes on. He says, and now behold, bound by the Spirit. That's the picking Mike up out of his seat because I'm, I'm a man, right? I, bound by the Spirit, I'm on my way to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. Keep going. He says, except that the Holy Spirit solemnly testifies to me in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions await me. So time out. <laughs> <laughs> time out. whoa. whoa, whoa you telling these cats that you're bound by the spirit to go to something that you don't know what's going to happen and that people have testified in the spirit. There's problems waiting on you, bro, and you still going to go? Like where does that make sense, right? Who here runs to problems? Well, firefighter over there. Yeah. You don't count, all right? But seriously, who willingly runs to problems that like affirmations all over the place of what's waiting and not knowing what's on the other end and you run to it? Well, you can't do that unless you're serving the Lord. Goes back to verse 19. Unless you're serving the Lord my obligation to the gathering, my obligation to the growing, your obligation to the gathering, your obligation to the growing, serving the Lord. But what makes you run into it? Veteran, right? Raise your hand for me, Hoel. When you're in combat, you're running into something from an obligation, right? No matter how dangerous it it is, you take an oath, say it again, a sense of duty. A sense of duty, an obligation that that bounds you and pushes you into something, no matter how dangerous it is for you. Right. Because it's about more than you. Right. Paul felt this obligation. How'd you get back over there, Leah? <laughs> Help me out. <laughs> except, that, except that the Holy Spirit solemnly testifies to me in every city, saying that the things that are awaiting on me are bonds and afflictions. He had an obligation to the going as well. Check this out. The same thing that led him to Ephesus serving the Lord, it's the same thing that was leading him away. You see that? The same thing that led him to being committed to the gathering and committed to the growing is the same thing that was leading him to the going. He goes on, and this is where I need a lot of grace. He says, but I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself so that I may finish my course in the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of grace of God. Stay there. October 27th, I was preaching, and you can go back and read the podcast. Like, it's, it's pretty neat and painful at the same time. Um, I was preaching this thing called gospel talk. We was in Romans, duh. And we got to this part of, um, I, I remember it vividly. Uh, Romans 1, 14 through, 6, to, through 17, where it's like, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And, and Paul says in Romans 14, no, I'm under obligation. And we were talking about obligation, obligation. And so I talked this thing about how like, everybody's heard 16 through 17, so a lot of you might turn your ears off. And so I was like, hey, um, I I was looking for my hairbrush. My wife said it was in my book bag. I looked, it wasn't in there, but then I dug deeper this morning and I found a hairbrush and I used that as an illustration. Never forget this. I was like, I know you've heard this before, but dig deeper, you might find your spiritual hairbrush. And everybody was like, oh, that's good. And I was like, that's corny, It's, it's super corny, but hey, it worked. But I came over here as an opening, opening illustration to what obligation looks like and i never forget I went like this. And I looked up and I said, but I do not consider my life of any account dear to myself. And in that moment, nobody knew this. Nobody knew this. But I had been asked two weeks before that about if I wanted to go to India. And I, I gave my mentor, Drew Hildenbrand, every reason to not go. I said, well, I can't afford to go to India. He said, well, what if the church ra- what if your church raises, you know, raises money to send you? I said, they won't do that. Not, not against y'all, I'm just. And I said, and if, even if they did, my wife won't let me go. So he was like, all right, well, we're just going to pray about it. But do you want to go? I like, so I told him, I was like, yeah, sure, I want to go. But in my mind, I'm like, there's no way I'm going to India. I went home and asked my wife. She's like, that'd be an excellent opportunity for you. <laughs> I was like, you were supposed to say, no, because, because because I didn't want to go. Then Drew came here and started preaching and casting vision and we raised up money, not only for me, but for one other brother that was going with me. We could only have five people go because they said, uh, this is a dangerous mission because the the places we're going, we're not doing this comfortable American mission. We're gonna be in slums that you may, something may happen to you. Um, So like say goodbyes if necessary The more Brittany started reading and watching, the more I started reading and watching, the more I did not want to go, and I'm like, okay, God, just shut some of these doors so I have it out. But then the money came, and whatever wasn't covered, they covered, and the doors kept opening. So when I was preaching this on October 27th, I looked at that part, but I do not consider my life on any account as dear to myself. And I, looked, I went home to my wife and said, I want to be able to say that. Because right now I don't want to go to India because I'm scared for my life. I said, I'm, I'm, I, I'm actually not willing to do what God has opened up indoors and actually what I completely felt to do because I'm scared for my life. I don't care what he would do for me over there. I'm worried about my life. And then my wife was like, yeah, I'm worried about our marriage. And I'm worried about these bills. (laughs) I'm worried about, you know what I mean? Like, because we don't have, uh, uh, we don't have, like, retirement. And at the time, we didn't have life insurance and all that stuff. So, like, if you die, I got to figure this out without you. And that's not comfortable. And what about your daughter? Don't you want to walk her down the aisle? Don't you want to see her graduate? And all these things came that were like, okay, don't go to India, And yet, I completely felt bound by the spirit that I was supposed to go. I had every reason not to go, every excuse to make, and God kept opening the doors I asked him to close. And I will never forget reading this verse back then. When I went to India, it changed my life. You guys know, when I came back, I did the Thursday thing, we did the Bible study, I showed you all the pictures, and I was so passionate about what church looked like outside of these walls. Y'all remember that? Yeah. Y'all remember I couldn't quench it and start doing some weird things like the 10.30-ish type stuff, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't um, let India, I couldn't let India go. And um, the time I spent with Victor John, who's my mentor in India, watching him take, church past the building, God gave me a desire to do the same thing, but I tried to put that burden on you, and I kept pressing so hard on you, while not taking the time to raise and to disciple and to pour, to build that in you, not realizing it was for me. We have a friend of the church named Chase Reynolds who said, um, When I went to my first meeting in Daytona for the ABA, he said, pray for God to raise somebody up to send out. And if he doesn't, pack your bags. Because it's you. And so he had an obligation to the gospel. Paul, he had an obligation to the gathering, to the growing, to the going, but more importantly to the gospel. All because he wanted to serve the Lord. I'm trying to be the best example for you that I can be. There's a lot of rumors and talk going around about what people think. I don't want you to have any assumptions. I am bound by the Spirit to move forward and be launched out of Church on the Rock into this ministry that my heart is after. We decided two weeks ago that we were going to deal with these fears the same way we dealt with India and just just serve the Lord. One of our fears was that you guys are here because of me. And I've told you every week that I possibly could, don't be here for me because I could die tomorrow or God could bound me to do something else if you leave this church because of me you are doing a disservice to the kingdom because that's not what we've done and if you appreciate your pastor that's not how I've taught you at this church there's nothing wrong with church on the rock we're not running from any problems in fact we're healthier than what you realize in fact in fact, the feelings I felt in India where I, could came, I came up with every logical and materialistic reason to stay, I got them for this too. I have every logical, materialistic reason, and everybody's telling me, bro, this vision you have, is failure written all over it. It's too big, but I'm bound, y'all, and I just want to serve the Lord. I just want to serve the Lord. And so I didn't want to tell the church until November, but we're such a tight-knit family that you can't do that in Church on a Rock. (laughs) So that didn't work. So Jason and I met Friday and said, bro, you got to do it Sunday, and I didn't have nothing prepared. So I just want to give you my heart for the next 15 to 20 minutes if you don't mind. I love this church with all my heart. My wife and my daughter have sacrificed everything. You guys know how bad I did my wife over the years before Christ. And as soon as she got a husband that was faithful to her, she had to give him up for this church. And those of you who have spent time with me, she had to sacrificially give her husband up for this church She's fighting thoughts of feeling like it was all for nothing if we're just being launched into something else. She's battling that because she's like, there was so much given up for this church. But it was for what we have. It's for what we have in this room. It's for what's here. I'm not running from nothing here, so if you're sitting there and you're starting to do the whole, oh, is it because I didn't do that? No, any church is that, okay? (laughs) Like, that's people, all of y'all knuckleheads, right? Like, (laughs) it's people, that's people. There's nothing we're running from, it's what we're running to. It's what we're running to. I have a loneliness right now And the more people are finding out, the colder people are getting towards me. Because they're mad at me for being obligated to the gospel. They're mad at me for serving the Lord. They're mad at me for listening and for just doing what I... I'm not gonna lie to you, I don't necessarily or didn't necessarily want to do. I didn't get peace, ask Clinton. We were sitting behind the DJ booth. I didn't get peace until I read Acts 20:24 20, and said this is the same thing that happened in India and I cried and I cussed. You didn't have to confirm that.
1: <laughs>
0: yep, he flawed too. Man. I cried and said Clinton this is it. Because I was stuck out there all day for this wedding and me and him were just wrestling and whiteboarding and thinking like Is there any other way because the same way with India? I didn't want to go And I was waiting for the peace And I read that because he said you need to start working on it now if you're gonna have anything to say and I found this piece That was like this is the same feelings I had before India I was willing to lose my life with my wife for an obligation to the gospel. She cried. She dropped me off at Connection Point. She cried some more. I called her when I got to India, she, what if you don't make it home? If we would have left one week later from India, we, we wouldn't have been able to leave because they locked down for six months because of Corona. Kobe died when I was over there. Like there was so much going on, and my wife was so, what if you don't come back? and? This is what we kept looking at to get through that. So I sat there last night and I was like, I I left my wife for an obligation to the gospel that we had to come to an agreement on. And it hurt and it was painful, but she knew I was being faithful and just serving the Lord. I know people are going to be mad at me. And I know you're going to have assumptions even after I'm telling you this, but I'm asking you, if you believe me, And if you believe these last five years that I've spent with you, then you know I'm not doing this because I can't deal with the hard stuff. Do you know what we've been through as a family in this church? My first week of going full time, Lewis was in the hospital fighting for his life. My first week, I was at that hospital all week long. And things just trickled after that. And my wife said, this is not what I signed up for. And she was without me for that whole week as we spent the night. Josh, you drove me. You picked me up. We had White Castles, right? That's when I found out about the White Castle waffle burger thingy or whatever. Every night we—that's when we played. We played all kinds of board games. He, surrendering to just the obligation of the gospel in that context, in that moment. So it's not because I'm tired of church on the rock. It's not because of some bigger platform. I have the greatest platform I could ever have here in Hendricks County. Doesn't matter how big our church is, I'm, this, this is a big platform. It's not money, trust me, it's not money. We're not going somewhere where we're getting paid buco bucks, nope. And the mission that's on my heart is far greater than any walls of a church. It's trying to reproduce what I saw in India through locally owned businesses. And you guys who have seen my heart know how I've been working with best friends and energy spot. And all to create these hubs of ministry from a Luke 10 standpoint, it's all biblical. And yet, I'm still broken this morning talking to you. I still don't want to do it. And I still have every reason to change my mind right now and just take the easy, safe route. but I can't because my obligation was to the Lord first and as a result, I served you. That same obligation that stuck me here when I didn't wanna come to Church on the Rock is the same obligation that's pushing me into this ministry that I wanna take on. I'm asking for your prayers. First for my wife and my daughter This is all we've known. You got to remember, we were saved and then four years later, we were pastoring a church. So this is all we've really known. I'm asking for prayers for this church family. You're going to have temptations to want to follow what God has given to me. That's not yours. This is what he gave to me. For you to follow me means that everything I've done for the last four years, I don't want that. But finally, I'm asking for prayers for myself. I'm lonely. I already know what comes with this. I've, I've talked to a lot of people. And I've um, heard about what happens with the relationships. I promise you this, it won't be because of me. But I get it. And I'll love you anyway, and you'll be stuck with me in eternity, so get over it. (sighs) Over the next couple weeks, I'm going to step away from preaching here so that you can hear other voices that are just going to reaffirm what I'm telling you. I will be preaching after the election because we'll need it. Everything I'll be preaching going forward is about body. I'm gonna do a series called Body Language about how everybody in this room is needed. Um, Jason needs grace. He He says he saw it coming. That's Jason. But he needs grace. Now's not the time to be critical of how he pastors, because we've never done nothing like this. Give him grace, give him support, and be with him. Leslie, when we were doing worship, you had two people come alongside you and help you stand up because you couldn't stand on your own, correct? Uh-huh. Well, okay, you ain't got to prove me wrong. Just, just roll with it, Leslie. Yeah, I, I can stand up from some circumstances. Gotcha. Got you, and so they they help they hold you up, like or they support you a little bit, right? Yeah,
1: and I thought about telling the church that I was uh, injured on I-65 and I was told I would never move any part of my body or feel anything. My neck was broken here, and my spinal cord doesn't exist. on of that's right. And
0: so th- Who was standing with you? I was uh, standing with this lady right here, the Matthews family, uh, Jeff and Kathy. Okay. Amen. There's a scripture in the Bible <laughs> that you have someone holds your hands up and you keep winning the battle. I was about to go there. <laughs> I was about to go there. You got me. Yeah. Right now, the people at Church on the Rock, including myself, because this is my family too, no matter how you feel about me. We need you to come alongside us and hold us up in that same manner. The scripture's about Moses keeping his hands raised up in worship so that they can win the battle. Aaron and her come up and they hold his arms up when they get tired. These next three months, we got plans. We got things we want to do, but we, we need your help. We need all in. We need people who aren't just here for a Sunday because here's the thing. A lot of you... A lot of you, you're going to have to check your emotions if you really think about it. I'm still living in Brownsburg. Um, I won't be leading Church on the Rock in terms of decision-making, but just as Christians, I'll be pouring out, pouring in. You're losing somebody that preaches on a Sunday. If you leave because of that, then I was a machinery to you, not family. I was just something where you got what you wanted and then you went on about your life. If we're family, it's so much bigger than Sunday. And if you're here for the word of God, as long as it's faithfully being preached, it's good to go. So, um, I'm lost, y'all. I don't know what I'm doing anymore. That, That part where Paul says, I have no clue what's to come, but all the council has told me it's gonna be a lot of suffering (laughs) along the way. Yep, that's all I've heard. People, my mentors telling me, we believe in everything you're doing and still are telling you it's gonna be rough. You're gonna go from what you've known to completely opposites, and I have no clue what's to come. I'm lost. I don't have any great counsel or anything for this for you or for me, but together I feel like God's got this. Um, We're gonna make a Facebook announcement later on this week. And at some point, you're gonna hear other stuff that's a part of this. But that's why we wanted to do this first. Don't make assumptions. If you feel some type of way, talk to me. I mean it. Anger, anything, I get it. If you feel some type of way, talk to me. But know this, I'm no longer making directional decisions here at Church on the Rock, so if there's something you wanna do here ministry-wise or any of that, talk to Jason, will go from there. Jason's given me permission to still pour and to pastor, long as I'm right here among you, but I am gonna be separating myself a little more to where you're leaning on each other because I don't wanna be a crutch that you can't get rid of. Part of that will be, I'm turning my phone over next Sunday and I'm gonna have a new number. I'm gonna be very careful with that number because I've been in a transition where people were going back and undermining me. Not because they were you know, not trusting, but they were just kind of shaky. I don't want that. So those first couple of months of everything next year, like I need you to understand, it's not because I don't love you, I'm trying to protect this church trying to protect this church. Um, I pray that you hear the language of us being launched out of here and not leaving. Leaving is like, I'm tired of you. You're tired of me. We can't do this anymore. Launching is God's calling me to go from here into something. If you read Acts, you'll see that in Acts 13... Paul and Barnabas were launched out of the church of Antioch. They were launched out. The Holy Spirit said, pull Paul and Barnabas aside and send them out. That would have been like their top people there, but the church was so healthy that God's like, we need to put them somewhere else. I need y'all. I need y'all now more than ever. I need y'all to be there for each other because I don't know how much I'm gonna be available just emotionally. I'm fighting, I'm fighting some mental health things right now because you guys know I'm a people pleaser. I tend to say yes too much. So telling people, shut up. So telling people this over the last week has been really rough for me, but when I saw that verse, Acts 20, 24, could you put it back up real quick? This is, just, this is the conclusion I came to, is that I don't consider my life of any account is dear to myself. If I stay at Church on the Rock, I stay because it's safe. If I stay at Church on the Rock, I stay because I'm scared of you and not God. My object of loyalty would be for you and not Jesus. If I stay at Church on the Rock, I'm staying because of fear of the people and not faith in Jesus. If I stay at Church on the Rock, it's because I got this narcissistic, Messiah complex that you can't exist without me We thought through all of this we prayed through all of this we cried through all of this And this is the way it has to go for us for us So I pray that you at some point with the grieving can celebrate my mentor said it's gonna be like having twins One passes away and one lives. And so you want to celebrate, but you want to grieve and you feel guilty about both. Can you imagine that? That's where we're at. We want to celebrate, but we feel guilty for celebrating. We want to grieve, but we're like, we feel guilty for that too. Ah, so, I want you to, like, don't ignore your feelings. If you're angry, be angry. If you're upset, if you're disappointed, if you're frustrated, be all of those things because we'll have to heal those things with the gospel. This is a major moment for growth. I don't want to give a lot of details past the vision I just gave you of the locally owned businesses because I don't want you to have that temptation that comes with it. Um, but you'll hear it as time goes, and talk to Jason, talk to me, talk to to people who know, don't make assumptions, because assumptions will lead to resentment, resentment will lead to all kinds of stuff. I love Church on the Rock. Church on the Rock is healthy, Church on the Rock is fine, and if I was to be honest with you, I feel like God is doing this because of the health of this church. I don't have nothing else. (laughs) I'm, I'm just so like, this wasn't even supposed to happen for a month but y'all love each other too much so y'all talk too much. <laughs> like, like I don't have nothing else. I, this is my heart and I'm just being real. I'm just being honest with you. So there's a, changes coming up over the next three months and we have a plan, we do. We have a plan, we have some foundational things that we're gonna do to try to build transition and build teaching and all that good stuff. But more importantly than us having a plan, God has a plan. Amen. And that's what I'm trusting in. I'm trusting in God's plan. Amen. That's all. That's all. I'm trusting in God's plan. And so um, I'm asking that you do the same. I'm asking that you talk to me with your pain. Jason has allowed me to pastor through this. Use me and talk to me about what's going on, and I will show you where the gospel heals all of that. It's the same thing I've been doing for five years. Um, I don't know. That's all I got. That's all I got. I make sure y'all love all my girls. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, I don't I don't even know how to pray right now. But you said that the Spirit will pray for me when I can't find the words. I'm so thankful and privileged for what you've done to me here. I'm so confused on why you would lead me away, but Father, I trust you. I don't know. I don't understand, but I believe it. I believe you've given me a desire for a reason and you'll see it through. I believe you love this church more than I ever have. I believe you love each individual person here more than I ever will. I actually believe it, and so I'm just gonna walk in what I believe. I'm just going to trust you, and I'm asking that Father, even now, like, that they, that the people here appreciate you, not me, and that they appreciate what you've done, not me, Father, I'm asking that, that they are obligated to this gathering, that they are obligated to the growing here. And Father, I'm, I'm begging you to help us because, <laughs> Father, I just don't, I don't know, but I trust So, Father, we, we believe this is your church. We believe the ministries are your ministries. The gifting is your gifting. The callings are your call. And So we place everything on that, and we just rest in that. Give us peace. Give us understanding. Give us clarity. Give us vision help us get through this together father remove all the spirit of dissension the spirit of division the spirit of resentment father anything that's to come up against this father any wolves that are in the midst any wolves from the outside father block all of it and just give us a foundation in you in your son jesus and remind us that we do this because of him and that we Because of him, we'll be together forever, no matter where I am on a Sunday morning, no matter where we gather. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.
2: Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. If you'd like any more information on Church on the Rock, please visit our website at www.churchontherockbb.com.
3: Good morning. Welcome to Church on the Rock. I hope you're ready to worship God with us this morning. If you want to stand up and sing this song out with us. Come set your rule and reign in our hearts again.
2: was a little better not much but it's little um, we don't have a lot of announcements today for the announcement segment but we do have a couple so um, the veterans lunch I've been saying breakfast and I learned this week that it wasn't breakfast it's actually lunch I won't tell you where it's being served from because some people don't know how to speak around here but yeah that's Denise by the way she was telling me she told me the wrong name it was crazy but anyway if you want to know who what she told me later I'll tell you but We won't tell you from up here, but she can't talk with candy in her mouth. It's a weird thing. Anyway, um, so lunch will be served. So November 6th, we need setup, which is a Friday night. Clear out the chairs, do all that thing. And then on November 7th, we're going to have it from 11 to 2. So it is from a place called, um, should I say it? Okay. Uh, Tips and Thighs is where we are having... Uh, the food catered from, Um, tips and thighs. So um, make sure you come and enjoy that. If you're a vet, please come and let us serve you. If you're a first responder, please come and let us serve you. So um, that is November 7th, 11 to 2, and then fall retreat. All right, this is for the youth group. This is from 7th to 12th grade. This is the shirt that you will get if you Register, we have to be registered by November 15th and paid, okay, so if you want to go through it, it's in Missouri, all right, so we'll be leaving here right after school on Friday, driving our four and a half hours to get there, all right, no filter is the theme, it's $65 a person and that covers everything, all right, that covers your workbook, your shirt, your travel, your food, everything, 65 bucks, please see me, the website carministries.com. it's up You can register there already. So please register, pay, and get on the list. No one after November 15th. we got to cut it off because of the place we're staying at needs to know. So anyway, that's really all I got. All right? So um, anyway, if you guys could stand uh, after service, sometime in between service, go to the bathroom, whatever you need to do. There is the offering boxes over there behind Denise uh it's got a lock on if you just want to slide your offering in there that would be great you can also give online church app our website uh and you can text whatever that number was many many moons ago that we talked about all right so anyway let's have prayer um before the worship team comes up just prepare your hearts for today all right um know that God is awesome know that God has plans that we will never see um and we don't know why he does the things he does, but he's God, and we obey what he does, okay? So let's pray, and then we will continue our service. Dear God, Lord, we thank you so much for this day. Lord, we we thank you for this time that we can come into your house that many people see and call a garage, but Lord, we know you're here. And Lord, we ask that you'll continue to be with the worship team. Lord, we ask that you'll be with Rashad as he brings your message. Lord, we ask that you'll be with us that worship you through our tithes and offerings. Lord, we just we just thank you. We love you. We thank you for your awesomeness. And Lord, we just pray that there's one here that does not know you as their lord and savior lord that they will come to the realization that they need a savior and his name is jesus lord we just ask that you'll be with all of our hearts today lord that you will protect them and lord that you'll watch over them lord we love you and we thank you for your son's name amen
3: this for you, God. I pray that you be with Rashad as he brings this message and open our hearts to hear it. We love you, Lord. Amen. One, two, one,
0: two. Come on. Right here. Good morning, Church on the Rock. Good morning, Christ. Hey, I know we do that. Well, those of you who do know, we do that because we're here to make sure that you are energized and ready from a message, for a message from God. Um... We don't do it because there's anything about me. I just like to know that there's energy in the room. So for those of you who are new, or this is your first time, um, I just want to make sure you're ready for the word of God. So I'm going to do it one more time. My name is Rashad. I always say not rash it, not radish, stuff like that. Um, but I want to know that you're in the room. So let's try that one more time. Good morning, church on the
1: rock. Right. Good morning,
0: Rashad. Amen. Amen. Um, so we're going to be. In this series continued that Nick started last week called 2468 Who Do You Appreciate? (laughs) Terrible sermon series title, right? Like, but that's what we do here. We're going to be in Acts 20. And I want to give you some context really quick. I wrote this sermon or put this sermon or God placed this sermon on my heart literally um, 4 o'clock this morning. So last night we were DJing, and when I say we, me, and where's my, where's my roadie? There he is back there. Clinton was out there with me. Um, we had to DJ out in Noblesville, Indiana. It went amazing, and there were some things I want to talk about today that I didn't know how to present, how to preach, how to teach, how to talk through, and I've been getting all this counsel from Jonathan Woodring. Many of you know him, Brian Marler, another pastor. They kept pointing me to Acts 20. I was like, no, 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 not, not Acts 20, not Acts 20. And while we were doing the dinner part of the DJing, Clinton's like, so what, you just going to be up at 4 o'clock in the morning working on a sermon? And I was like, no. So I started, like, working through it while we were doing dinner. But, you know, I got to be the hype guy, too. So I was, like, wrestling with that. But um, I saw something in this passage that grabbed me because I remembered it from a while back. And so then we went home. We got home at, like, 1. I told Brittany, go to bed because I'm going to be up all night. And uh, it wasn't until 4 o'clock that God gave me this. So give me grace is what I'm asking for. Give me grace in, in the presentation of how I'm trying to do this. I don't know what I'm doing right now, seriously. So with that being said, though, I want to give you context to how we get to Acts 20. So there's this apostle. His name is Paul. Paul is like this church planning everything. And you always hear about him as an apostle. But in Acts 20, you get to hear about him as a pastor. In chapter 19, he goes to this church called, well, called, it wasn't call it nothing. He goes to this place called Ephesus, and there's these disciples who are gathered who have been baptized in this other baptism. And he reaches out to them, and he, and he grabs them, and a church is started, right? A church is started. And so he loves on that church. And he gets kicked out the synagogue because he's preaching the gospel. So they find this house, like, that's next to the synagogue, and they set up shop there. And, like, ministry's going well. And then, like, the persecution comes, so he's kind of forced to leave out. But he's there for, like, two and a half to, like, three years just doing the work of the ministry. And so before he goes to his next destination, we come to Acts 20. And... Let's just go ahead and get to the first uh, part there. Let's get to the first part. Uh, what happens is we come to Acts 20 and it says, And from my lead is he, Paul, sent to Ephesus and called to him the elders of the church. Right? And it says, And when they, asked, when they had come to him, he said to them, You yourselves know from the first day that I set foot in Asia how I was with you the whole time, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials, which came upon me through the plots of the Jews. Stay right there. Stay right there. So he looks at the church. He's called these elders to come meet with him. And he says, hey, you know, you, you know that I was with you the whole time that I was in Ephesus. I was serving the Lord. So I was with you, but I was with you because I was serving the Lord, right? And how was he serving the Lord? With all humility with tears and with the trials that came because of the persecution. Um, We do this thing called Pastor Appreciation Month and we're like, man, we appreciate our pastors, but in America we tend to like put these pastors on these pedestals of being our everything, right? Like, let's just be honest. People come to church because they want to hear or see or the pastor that they like, that's what they do. We teach them not to do that, but this is what happens. We say, hey, it's not about the pastor. And we even, we do things to change that. We say, hey, I'm, I'm going to take weeks off and preach. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. But it doesn't matter. They won't come the weeks that the pastor's not preaching that they want to preach. They'll be like, well, I'm just not going to go because I just want to hear my pastor. And then you seen these songs like what Todd was singing today about build my life and it's all about your kingdom and your glory and your this. But we still put this pastor on a pedestal about his glory and his kingdom and even his church. Paul says, I was with you in Ephesus because I was serving the Lord. Like, the Bible says that pastors are gifts to the church that are given to the church by the Lord. And so why do we appreciate the pastors and not first appreciate Jesus, who gives the gift of a pastor to a church, right? My first question here, though, is he was with them because he was serving the Lord. His obligation to the gathering was because he was serving the Lord. Tears, humility, all these things was because he was obligated from serving the Lord. As you do this Pastor Appreciation one thing, I, I got to ask you, what is, what is your obligation to each other? Like, I, I see people obligated to pastors. But I rarely see people obligated to each other. What is your obligation to this gathering? Because it's not just a pastoral thing. It's a Christian thing. It's a body thing. Where's your obligation in all of this to one another? Serving the Lord. So you're here to serve the Lord. Some of us, and I'm talking to believers right now. I know there's non-believers among us, but ecclesia, I'm, I'm, I'm literally teaching and equipping the church right now church members how are you doing in your obligation to the gathering of this church to the serving the Lord here with humility with tears with trials do you come here and do you just sit on Sunday mornings and just get what you want and then go back out or do you actually feel an obligation to each other the way Paul says I was serving the Lord, so I was with you from the day I set foot in Asia. The beauty is, go back to the, uh, verse 18, I believe. Go back to verse 18, Leah. I want you to see this. Look how he says this. You yourselves know. Can people say that about you here? Like, I pray. I'm not sure. Maybe you can correct me. But I pray that anybody who's been here for a significant amount of time can say, I can look at you and say, you yourself know how I've served you here, right? Right? You yourself know how I've loved you through the ups, through the downs, the the high you know the highlands and the heartbreaks, as they say in that psalm. But if you were to look to somebody across the room perhaps that you're not sitting next to, could you look at them and say, "You yourself know how I've served here, how I've been with you, how I've been obligated to this gathering?" And this is important because people they don't they don't take advantage of this they don't take advantage of what we have it becomes this Sunday thing and we talk about this often and we've been trying to push out of the Sunday method and say you belong to each other not to a day not to a building but to each other this is biblical you you literally belong to each other and so you have an obligation to this gathering not just the pastor each individual person at this church who calls themselves a member has an obligation to one another. Mm -hmm. This is what we teach. Do you know what an obligation is? It's a, it's a, it's like restraints put on you, right? Like, like, it's like grabbing you and like it pulls you. I'm sorry. That was really aggressive.
1: All
0: right. He's trying to man up too. You ain't picking me up. (laughs) (laughs) That's what it does, though. Like, do you feel that here? Do Do you feel the grabbing of pulling you to one another here? Because that's what an obligation to a gathering is. Those tears are produced because of that obligation. That humility is produced because of that obligation. Willing to deal with those trials is produced because of that obligation. Paul says... I had an obligation to this gathering, and you know I did because you saw me. You saw what I went through. Paul, Paul was like, they wanted to kill him because his teaching led to business, local businesses that were selling idols. It led to their stuff going down because he's preaching this gospel. They're like, we don't need those idols. So they wanted to take him out, and others suffered as a result as well. And he's like, you saw this. You watched The trials I went through. You've seen the tears we've cried together, and you saw my humility because I was obligated to you. You know this. He goes on. uh, Give me verse uh, 21, I believe. Is that where we're at? He goes on, and he says this. He says, he was solemnly tested. Oh, go 20. It was 20. I'm sorry. He says, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable. Now, the Scripture says in 2 Timothy 3, right, all Scripture is profitable, right? All Scripture is profitable. What, we, what you need to understand is spiritually we all have deficits, which means there's a lack, right? And so preachers, what I pray they do and what I pray Christians do is I want to spend time with you to find where you are spiritually lacking so that I can give you a word of God that is profitable, that puts profit to where you have deficit, Right? I want to pour in profit to where there's deficits. He says, I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable. Any, shrink means when we talked about the hard stuff, I didn't back off because I wanted to keep you happy. Right. I mean, I don't know if y'all been in church on a rock, but we don't make people happy here. <laughs> right? Like people walk out all the time like, man, how could he say that knowing that there's people here who don't believe? Because I ain't shrinking. Like to shrink back is to say, I need your money, so we ain't going to talk about that because it might take your money. Or I need to be able to take a picture where these seats look full and put it on Facebook so I ain't going to say nothing that's going to make these seats not fill up. That's shrinking back, and a lot of pastors do that. But if y'all been to church on a rock, we don't do that. We tell the hard stuff. We told the good stuff, probably not enough, but we definitely talk about the hard stuff. Amen. Never shrinking back because the hard stuff is profitable. It's never to hurt you. It's only to heal you. It's only to put something in to where you're lacking. He says, I didn't shrink back from declaring to you anything that was profitable. I was teaching you publicly. So that's like this right here. This is public teaching, right? It's on Facebook. Hey, Facebook. And, and, and anywhere else, right? But then look at this, and from house to house. And if you look at the context, they didn't have this. The teaching happened in what we would call like five non-families. The teaching happened in what we would call like meeting at best friends or meeting at these coffee shops. Or when I come to your house and I'm doing your counseling when some of y'all have been in your homes till like 1 a.m. working through stuff, right? This is what Paul was doing. He says also, keep going with the next verse, he says, Not only was he teaching house to house, not only was he never shrinking back, but he was testifying to both Jews and Greeks. Meaning, don't care where you stand on any end of the spectrum, I'm teaching all. And you guys know how I'm about that. I don't care. You're Republican, Democrat, black, white. You're pro this or pro that or whatever. But Paul taught to everybody about the repentance towards God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. So even that was the serving of the Lord, and it was because he had an obligation to the growing. So as a pastor, because we don't get to see Pastor Paul a lot. We get to see the Apostle Paul. As a pastor, he was obligated to the gathering, but he was obligated to the growing. I'm just not worried about you gathering and being here, and we're just good together. I want to make sure you're growing because I'm serving the Lord first. I love you, but I'm serving the Lord. An obligation to the gathering and to the growing. He goes on. He says, And now, behold, bound by the Spirit, that's the picking Mike up out of his seat, because I'm I'm a man, right? Bound by the Spirit, I'm on my way to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. Keep going. He says, except that the Holy Spirit solemnly testifies to me in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions await me. So time out. Time out. Whoa. whoa, whoa. You're telling these cats that you're bound by the Spirit to go to something that you don't know what's going to happen and that people have testified. In the spirit, there's problems waiting on you, bro, and you still going to go? Like, where does that make sense? Right? Who here runs to problems? Well, firefighter over there. Yeah. <laughs> you don't count, all right? You know? <laughs> But seriously, who willingly runs to problems that, like, Affirmations all over the place of what's waiting and not knowing what's on the other end, and you run to it. Well, you can't do that unless you're serving the Lord. goes back to verse 19. Unless you're serving the Lord. My obligation to the gathering, my obligation to the growing, your obligation to the gathering, your obligation to the growing, serving the Lord. But what makes you run into it? Veteran? Right? Raise your hand for me, Hoel. Oh, well. When you're in combat, you're running into something from an obligation, right? No matter how dangerous it is, it is, you take an oath. Say it again. A sense of duty. A sense of duty. An obligation that, that bounds you and pushes you into something, no matter how dangerous it is for you, right? Because it's about more than you, right? Paul felt this obligation. How would you get back over there, Leah? Help me out. (laughs) Except Except that the Holy Spirit solemnly testifies to me in every city saying that the things that are awaiting on me are bonds and afflictions. He had an obligation to the going as well. Check this out. The same thing that led him to Ephesus, serving the Lord, it's the same thing that was leading him away. You see that? The same thing that led him to being committed to the gathering and committed to the growing is the same thing that was leading him to the going. He goes on. And this is where I need a lot of grace. He says, but I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself so that I may finish my course in the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of grace of God. Stay there. October 27th, I was preaching, and you can go back and read the podcast. Like, it's it's pretty neat and painful at the same time. Um, I was preaching this thing called gospel talk. We was in Romans, Duh. And we got to this part of, um, I I remember it vividly, Uh, Romans 1, 14 through through 17, where it's like, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And and Paul says in Romans 14, no, I'm under obligation. And we were talking about obligation, obligation. And so I talked this thing about how, like, everybody's heard 16 through 17, so a lot of you might turn your ears off. And so I was like, hey, um, I, I was looking for my hairbrush. My wife said it was in my book bag. I looked, it wasn't in there, but then I dug deeper this morning and I found a hairbrush. And I used that as an illustration. Never forget this. I was like, I know you've heard this before, but dig deeper. You might find your spiritual hairbrush. And I was like, oh, that's good. And I was like, that's corny. It's super corny. But hey, it worked. But I came over here as an opening, opening illustration to what obligation looks like. And i never forget, I went like this. And I looked up and I said, but I do not consider my life of any account dear to myself. And in that moment, nobody knew this. Nobody knew this. But I had been asked two weeks before that about if I wanted to go to India. And I, I gave my mentor, Drew Hildenbrand, every reason to not go. I said, well, I can't afford to go to India. He said, well, what if the church ra- what if your church raises, you know, raises money to send you? I said, they won't do that. Not, not against y'all. I'm just. And I said, and if, even if they did, my wife won't let me go. So he was like, all right, well, we're just going to pray about it. But do you want to go? I like, so I told him, I was like, yeah, sure, I want to go. But in my mind, I'm like, there's no way I'm going to India. I went home and asked my wife. She's like, that'd be an excellent opportunity for you. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you were supposed to say, no, because because, because I didn't want to go. And then Drew came here and started preaching and casting vision. And we raised up money, not only for me, but for One other brother was going with me. We could only have five people go because they said, uh, this is a dangerous mission because the the places we're going, we're not doing this comfortable American mission. We're going to be in slums that you may, something may happen to you. Um, So, like, say goodbyes if necessary. The more Brittany started reading and watching, the more I started reading and watching, the more I did not want to go, and I'm like, okay, God, just shut some of these doors so I have it out. But then the money came, whatever wasn't covered, they covered, and the doors kept opening. So when I was preaching this on October 27th, I looked at that part, but I do not consider my life on any account as dear to myself, and I, looked, I went home to my wife and said, I want to be able to say that. Because right now I don't want to go to India because I'm scared for my life. I said, I'm, I'm I'm actually not willing to do what God has opened up in doors and actually what I completely felt to do because I'm scared for my life. I don't care what he would do for me over there. I'm worried about my life. And then my wife was like, "Yeah, and I'm worried about our marriage and I'm worried about these bills. I'm <laughs> worried about, you know what I mean? Like because we don't have uh, uh we don't have like retirement and at the time we didn't have life insurance and all that stuff. So like if you die, I got to figure this out without you and That's not comfortable. And what about your daughter? Don't you want to walk her down the aisle? Don't you want to see her graduate? And all these things came that were like, okay, don't go to India. And yet, I completely felt bound by the spirit that I was supposed to go. I had every reason not to go, every excuse to make, and God kept opening the doors I asked him to close. And I will never forget reading this verse back then. When I went to India, it changed my life. You guys know, when I came back, I did the Thursday thing. We did the Bible study. I showed you all the pictures, and I was so passionate about what church looked like outside of these walls. Y'all remember that? Y'all remember I couldn't quench it and start doing some weird things like the 1030-ish type stuff, right? <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't um, let in here. And let India go. And um, the time I spent with Victor John, who's my mentor in India, watching him take church past the building, God gave me a desire to do the same thing, but I tried to put that burden on you, and I kept pressing so hard on you, while not taking the time to raise and to disciple and to pour, to build that in you, not realizing it was for me. We have a friend of the church named Chase Reynolds who said, um, when I went to my first meeting in Daytona for the ABA, he said, pray for God to raise somebody up to send out. And if he doesn't, pack your bags. Because it's you. And so he had an obligation to the gospel. Paul, he had an obligation to the gathering, to the growing, to the going, but more importantly to the gospel, all because he wanted to serve the Lord. trying to be the best example for you that I can be there's a lot of rumors and talk going around about what people think I don't want you to have any assumptions I am bound by the spirit to move forward and be launched out of church on the rock into this ministry that my heart is after We decided two weeks ago that we were going to deal with these fears the same way we dealt with India and just just serve the Lord. One of our fears was that you guys are here because of me. And I've told you every week that I possibly could, don't be here for me because I could die tomorrow or God could bound me to do something else. If you leave this church because of me, you are doing a disservice to the kingdom. Because that's not what we've done. And if you appreciate your pastor, that's not how I've taught you at this church. There's nothing wrong with Church on the Rock. We're not running from any problems. In fact, we're healthier than what you realize. In fact. In fact, the feelings I felt in India where I, could came, I came up with every logical and materialistic reason to stay, I got them for this too. I have every logical, materialistic reason. And everybody's telling me, bro, this vision you have, it's failure written all over it. It's too big. But I'm bound, y'all. And I just want to serve the Lord. I just want to serve the Lord. And so I didn't want to tell the church until November, but we're such a tight-knit family that you can't do that in Church on a Rock. (laughs) So that didn't work. So Jason and I met Friday and said, bro, you got to do it Sunday, and I didn't have nothing prepared. So I just want to give you my heart for the next 15 to 20 minutes if you don't mind. I love this church with all my heart. My wife and my daughter have sacrificed everything. You guys know how bad I did my wife over the years before Christ. And as soon as she got a husband that was faithful to her, she had to give him up for this church. And those of you who have spent time with me, she had to sacrificially give her husband up for this church she's fighting thoughts of feeling like it was all for nothing if we're just being launched into something else she's battling that because she's like there was so much given up for this church but it was for what we have it's for what we have in this room it's for what's here I'm not running from nothing here. So if you're sitting there and you're starting to do the whole, oh, is it because I didn't do that? No. It, it any church is that, okay? <laughs> like, that's people. <laughs> All of y'all knuckleheads, right? Like, <laughs> it's people. That's people. It, there's nothing we're running from. It's what we're running to. It's what we're running to. I have a loneliness right now. And the more people are finding out, the colder people are getting towards me. Because they're mad at me for being obligated to the gospel. They're mad at me for serving the Lord. They're mad at me for listening and for just doing what I I'm not gonna lie to you, I don't necessarily or didn't necessarily want to do. I didn't get peace, ask Clinton. We were sitting behind the DJ booth. I didn't get peace until I read Acts twenty twenty four and said this is the same thing that happened in India and I cried and I cussed. You didn't have to confirm that. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, he flawed too. I cried and said, Clinton this is it because I was stuck out there all day for this wedding and me and him were just wrestling and whiteboarding and thinking like, is there any other way? Because the same way with India, I didn't want to go. And I was waiting for the peace. And I read that because he said, you need to start working on it now if you're gonna have anything to say. And I found this piece that was like, this is the same feelings I had before India. I was willing to lose my life with my wife for an obligation to the gospel. She cried. She dropped me off at Connection Point. She cried some more. I called her when I got to India. What if you don't make it home? If we would have left one week later from India, we we wouldn't have been able to leave because they locked down for six months because of Corona. Kobe died when I was over there. Like there was so much going on and my wife was so, what if you don't come back? This is what we kept looking at to get through that. So I sat there last night, and I was like, I I left my wife for an obligation to the gospel that we had to come to an agreement on, and it hurt, and it was painful, but she knew I was being faithful and just serving the Lord. I know people are going to be mad at me, and I know you're going to have assumptions even after I'm telling you this, but I'm asking you, if you believe me, And if you believe these last five years that I've spent with you, then you know I'm not doing this because I can't deal with the hard stuff. Do you know what we've been through as a family in this church? My first week of going full time, Lewis was in the hospital fighting for his life. My first week, I was at that hospital all week long. And things just trickled after that. And my wife said, this is not what I signed up for. And she was without me for that whole week as we spent the night. Josh, you drove me. You picked me up. We had White Castles, right? That's when I found out about the White Castle waffle burger thingy or whatever. He, every night, we, that's when we played. We played all kinds of board games. He, <coughs> surrendering to just the obligation of the gospel in that context, in that moment. So it's not because I'm tired of church on a rock not because of some bigger platform. I have the greatest platform I could ever have here in Hendricks County. It doesn't matter how big our church is, I'm, this, this is a big platform. It's not money. Trust me, it's not money. We're not going somewhere where we're getting paid buco bucks, nope. And the mission that's on my heart is far greater than any walls of a church. It's trying to reproduce what I saw in India through locally owned businesses and you guys who have seen my heart know how I've been working with best friends and energy spot and all to create these hubs of ministry from a Luke 10 standpoint. It's all biblical and yet I'm still broken this morning talking to you. I still don't want to do it. And I still have every reason to change my mind right now and just take the easy safe route. But I can't because my obligation was to the Lord first and as a result, I served you. That same obligation that stuck me here when I didn't want to come to Church on the Rock is the same obligation that's pushing me into this ministry that I want to take on. I'm asking for your prayers. First for my wife and my daughter This is all we've known. You got to remember, we were saved, and then four years later, we were pastor in a church. So this is all we've really known. I'm asking for prayers for this church family. You're going to have temptations to want to follow what God has given to me. That's not yours. This is what he gave to me. For you to follow me means that everything I've done for the last four years, I don't want that. Finally, I'm asking for prayers for myself. I'm lonely. I already know what comes with this. I've I've talked to a lot of people. And I've um, heard about what happens with the relationships. I promise you this, it won't be because of me. But I get it. And I'll love you anyway, and you'll be stuck with me in eternity, so get over it. (sighs) Over the next couple weeks, I'm going to step away from preaching here so that you can hear other voices that are just going to reaffirm what I'm telling you. I will be preaching after the election because we'll need it. Everything I'll be preaching going forward is about body. I'm going to do a series called Body Language, about how everybody in this room is needed. Um, Jason needs grace. He didn't he says he saw it coming. That's Jason. But he needs grace. Now's not the time to be critical of how he pastors, because we've never done nothing like this. Give him grace, give him support, and be with him. Leslie, when we were doing worship, you had two people come alongside you and help you stand up because you couldn't stand on your own, correct? Well, okay, you ain't got to prove me wrong. Just, vo- just roll with it, Leslie. Yeah, I I can stand up some gotcha. Gotcha. And so they they, they, hold, they hold you up, like or they support you a little bit, right? Yeah. And I thought about telling the church that
1: I was uh, injured I was and I was told I would never move any part of my body or feel anything. My neck was broken here and
0: my spinal cord doesn't exist next, right? mm. And so next th- rate. Who was standing with you? I was uh standing with this lady right here, the Matthew's family, uh Stephanie family. Okay. The Amen. There's a scripture the <laughs> that you can hold your hands up and you keep winning the battle. I was about to go there. <laughs> I was about to go there. You got me. Yeah. Right now, the people at Church on the Rock, including myself because this is my family, too, no matter how you feel about me. We need you to come alongside us and hold us up in that same manner. The scripture's about Moses keeping his hands raised up in worship so that they can win the battle. Aaron and her come up, and they hold his arms up when they get tired. These next three months, we got plans. We got things we want to do, but we, we need your help. We need all in. We need people who aren't just here for a Sunday, because here's the thing. A lot of you... A lot of you you're gonna have to check your emotions if you really think about it I'm still living in Brownsburg um, I won't be leading Church on the Rock in terms of decision-making but just as Christians I'll be pouring out pouring in you're losing somebody that preaches on a Sunday if you leave because of that then I was a machinery to you not family I was just something where you got what you wanted, and then you went on about your life. If we're family, it's so much bigger than Sunday. And if you're here for the word of God, as long as it's faithfully being preached, it's good to go. So um, I'm lost, y'all. I don't know what I'm doing anymore. That that part where Paul says, I have no clue what's to come, but all the council has told me, it's gonna be a lot of suffering <laughs> along the way. Yep, that's all I've heard. People, my mentors, telling me, we believe in everything you're doing and still are telling you it's gonna be rough. You're gonna go from what you've known to completely opposite, and I have no clue what's to come. I'm lost, I don't have any great counsel or anything for this for you or for me, but together I feel like God's got this. Um, We're going to make a Facebook announcement later on this week, and at some point, you're going to hear other stuff that's a part of this, but that's why we wanted to do this first. Don't make assumptions. If you feel some type of way, talk to me. I mean it. Anger, anything, I get it. If you feel some type of way, talk to me, but know this, I'm no longer making directional decisions here at Church on the Rock. So if there's something you want to do here ministry-wise or any of that, talk to Jason. I'll go from there. Jason's given me permission to still pour and to pastor, long as I'm right here among you. But I am gonna be separating myself a little more to where you're leaning on each other because I don't want to be a crutch that you can't get rid of. Part of that will be I'm turning my phone over next Sunday, and I'm gonna have a new number. I'm gonna be very careful with that number because I've been in a transition where people were going back and undermining me, not because they were, you know, not trusting, but they were just kind of shaky. I don't want that. So those first couple of months of everything next year, like I need you to understand, it's not because I don't love you, I'm trying to protect this church. I'm trying to protect this church. Um, I pray that you hear the language of us being launched out of here and not leaving. Leaving is like I'm tired of you, you're tired of me, we can't do this anymore. Launching is God's calling me to go from here into something. If you read Acts, you'll see that in Acts 13, Paul and Barnabas were launched out of the church of Antioch. They were launched out. The Holy Spirit said, pull Paul and Barnabas aside and send them out. That would have been like their top people there, but the church was so healthy that God's like, we need to put them somewhere else. I need y'all. I need y'all now more than ever. I need y'all to be there for each other because I don't know how much I'm going to be available just emotionally. I'm I'm fighting some mental health things right now. Because you guys know I'm a people pleaser. I tend to say yes too much. So telling people, shut up. <laughs> so telling people this over the last week has been really rough for me. But when I saw that verse, Acts 20:24, 20, could you put it back up real quick? This is, just, this is the conclusion I came to, is that I don't consider my life of any account as dear to myself. If I stay at Church on the Rock, I stay because it's safe. If I stay at Church on the Rock, I stay because I'm scared of you and not God. My object of loyalty would be for you and not Jesus. If I stay at Church on the Rock, I'm staying because of fear of the people and not faith in Jesus. If I stay at Church on the Rock, it's because I got this narcissistic Messiah complex that you can't exist without me. We thought through all of this. We prayed through all of this. We cried through all of this. And this is the way it has to go for us, for us. So I pray that you at some point with the grieving can celebrate. My mentor said it's going to be like having twins. One passes away and one lives. And so you want to celebrate, but you want to grieve and you feel guilty about both. Can you imagine that? That's where we're at. We want to celebrate, but we feel guilty for celebrating. We want to grieve, but we're like, we feel guilty for that too. Ah. So, I, I want you to like. Don't ignore your feelings. If you're angry, be angry. If you're upset, if you're disappointed, if you're frustrated, be all of those things because we'll have to heal those things with the gospel. This is a major moment for growth. I don't want to give a lot of details past the vision I just gave you of the locally owned businesses because I don't want you to have that temptation that comes with it. Um, But you'll hear it as time goes and talk to Jason, talk to me. Talk to talk to people who know. Don't make assumptions, because assumptions will lead to resentment. Resentment will lead to all kinds of stuff. I love church on the rock. Church on the rock is healthy. Church on the rock is fine. And if I was to be honest with you, I feel like God is doing this because of the health of this church. I don't have nothing else. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm just so like. This wasn't even supposed to happen for a month, but y'all love each other too much, so y'all talk too much. <laughs> like, like, I don't have nothing else. I, this is my heart, and I'm just being real. I'm just being honest with you. So there's changes coming up over the next three months, and we have a plan. We do. We have a plan. We have some foundational things that we're going to do to try to build transition and build teaching and all that good stuff. But more importantly than us having a plan, God has a plan. And that's what I'm trusting in. I'm trusting in God's plan. Amen. That's, all, that's all, I'm trusting in God's plan. And so um, I'm asking that you do the same. I'm asking that you talk to me with your pain. Jason has allowed me to pastor through this. Use me and talk to me about what's going on. And I will show you where the gospel heals all of that. It's the same thing I've been doing for five years. Um, I don't know, that's all I got, that's all I got. Y'all make sure y'all love all my girls. Bow our heads in prayer. Father, I don't I don't even know how to pray right now. But you said that the Spirit will pray for me when I can't find the words. I'm so thankful and privileged for what you've done through me here. I'm so confused on why you would lead me away, but, Father, I trust you. I don't know. I don't understand. But I believe it. I believe you've given me a desire for a reason, and you'll see it through. I believe you love this church more than I ever have. I believe you love each individual person here more than I ever will. I actually believe it. And so I'm just going to walk in what I believe. I'm just going to trust you. And I'm asking it, Father, even now, like, that, they, that the people here appreciate you, not me. And that they appreciate what you've done, not me. Father, I'm asking that, that they are obligated to this gathering, that they are obligated to the growing here. And, Father, I'm, I'm begging you to help us because, <laughs> Father, I just don't, I don't know, but I trust you. so father we we believe this is your church we believe the ministries are your ministries the gifting is your gifting the callings are your call so we place everything on that and we just rest in that give us peace give us understanding give us clarity give us vision help us get through this together father remove all the spirit of dissension the spirit of division the spirit of resentment, Father, anything that's to come up against this, Father, any wolves that are in the midst, any wolves from the outside, Father, block all of it. And just give us a foundation in you, in your son, Jesus, and remind us that we do this because of him and that we, because of him we'll be together forever, no matter where I am on a Sunday morning, no matter where we gather. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. I didn't have it. <sighs> uh.
1: nah. Nah.